Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's an open forum Wednesday. Grant Napier with you. Hope you are doing well. NBA free agency is right around the corner. And there is a big deal that apparently is in the works with the, with, a, uh, and I, when I say this, um, DeJounte Murray is a player that was much better than I thought he would be when he came into the league. And I'm talking about with the uh, San Antonio Spurs. And the Atlanta Hawks apparently are giving up a lot to get the all-star from the San Antonio Spurs. And the Hawks are going to trade Danilo Gallinari and three first-round picks to the Spurs for DeJounte Murray. So they're talking, we're talking about a first-round pick next year which is via the Charlotte Hornets, plus their own pick in 25 and 27. You're not allowed to trade your first-round pick in consecutive years. So that's why it has to be every other year. And, you know, again, if Murray is healthy, again, you know, I had the bad injury two seasons ago, but this is a really interesting deal uh, for the Atlanta Hawks, and I wonder what it signals uh, for the San Antonio Spurs. The Spurs this past season finished 10th in the West with only 34 wins. All right, so that's one thing. Uh, James Harden has uh, declined his option, if you can believe this, at $47.3 million, all right? So could he negotiate a new deal with Philly? Yes, that's what most people would believe, all right? Uh, it would give the Sixers uh, flexibility in free agency. And, you know, again, tomorrow at 6 Eastern is when you can start talking officially. And then the uh, moratorium ends at 12.01 Eastern time on July 6th. All right. I, I wouldn't pay James Hart. I don't understand giving James Harden that kind of money. I mean, he declined his option. He declined, obviously, because he feels he's going to do better. But I don't get that. Do you understand that? I don't understand that. I do understand the Atlanta Hawks wanting DeJounte Murray. I think the guy's a hell of a player. And does it does it signal that the Spurs are going into a rebuild now? All right. 
does that signal that the Spurs are going in a completely different direction? All right. Again, if you look at this deal, so the Hawks get Murray, the Spurs get Gallinari and three picks. All right. The question is, how does Murray and Young coexist in the backcourt? All right. That's that's the first thing. What, how do you envision that working out? Right? I mean, Trey Young is a ball-dominant guy. Now, we're talking about a player who's 25 years old in Murray, right? And he had this year and next year left on his deal. So you get three first-round picks, but, you know, if the Hawks are good, those picks are not going to be lottery picks. And maybe next year, if the Charlotte Hornets don't make the playoffs, you get a lottery pick from them. All right? Again, this San Antonio team is rebuilding. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. All right? I don't. I think the Spurs, without Murray, looking at them next year, will be a non-playoff team. And I don't think they're going to finish in the top 10. That's the point I'm trying to make. All right? I don't see it. Uh, Bradley Beal declines his option. And we'll see what happens with the 29-year-old uh, shooting guard. So those are some of the uh, stories. You know the routine. It's an open forum Wednesday. You hit your hand icon, you raise your hand, uh, and we can do this. But again, Harden opts out, Beal opts out, and the Spurs and the Atlanta Hawks are making a big deal. Again, the the, the only, and I say only, I shouldn't say that, the, the, the biggest question with the Atlanta Hawks is Murray and Young playing together. Because they didn't get DeJounte Murray to bring him off the bench, all right? You didn't give up three first-round picks in Gallinari. You don't get an all-star. But they just became much more difficult uh, to defend, all right? So let me hear from you. The Kings, again, don't have the ability to go out other than a mid-level exception and make moves. So I don't expect a lot from them. In NBA free agency, the question is, with their mid-level exception, which is at about $10 million, who will they be able to get? Are they going to be able to work out any trades? So those are all things to keep an eye on. All right? Now, here are a couple of players that may be changing uniforms. DeAndre Ayton, okay? Probably number one on the list. Jalen Brunson. All rumors have him going to the Knicks. Zach Levine. Chicago Bulls, will he be on the move? All right. John Morant is eligible for a max rookie contract extension. You would think there's absolutely no way in the world that will not happen. He's going to get that. And then you have Zion Williamson, who's only played in 85 games through his first three seasons. I wouldn't give Zion Williamson a max deal. There's just no way. Would you give Zion Williamson a max deal? All right. Uh, I don't see that. 
offering Dante DiVincenzo a qualifying offer. So that makes him an unrestricted free agent. Uh, what I've heard is DiVincenzo does not want to be in Sacramento. He is not a player that wanted to stay in Sacramento. And so DiVincenzo is now an unrestricted uh, free agent. All right. Give me, give me your thoughts. Hit me up. Hit your hand icon with the free agency beginning uh, tomorrow. All right. And again, I don't expect a lot of news with Sacramento. I just don't. All right. I don't, I don't expect it. So what do you think? All right. What do you think? Where are you at with NBA uh, free agency? And then, you know, I did a rant on this. Uh, that well, I'm actually I'm going to do a rant on this coming up tomorrow. But what do you look forward to now in the sports world? All right, if you're a baseball fan, good for you. But I'm, I and I'm a Yankee fan, and I have trouble watching games. All right, and the Yankees are having a historic season. All right, I, I just have difficulty watching a lot of baseball. So. Yeah, me personally, I can't wait for the Open Championship. It's at St. Andrews. Uh, every, the whole schedule was screwed up. You know, they're supposed to have the Open Championship at St. Andrews every five years. Big anniversary, 150th anniversary. And, you know, St. Andrews is the birthplace of golf. It's an incredible uh, town. Uh, I had a chance to play the course a couple of years ago. It's when you stand on the first tee at the old course at St. Andrews. It's really pretty remarkable. It really is. It's absolutely, it's hard to really, I, I can't really put it into words. I mean, it's amazing. The fact that you can, we got there on a Sunday night at 11 o'clock and the sun was setting, it was beautiful. And we walked right down the first fairway. People were out and about, took pictures on 18. Uh, it was incredible. I mean, but the course itself is not that incredible. The first hole is amazing. The road hole at 17 is amazing. And then the finishing hole is incredible. I mean, I can't even begin to tell you what it's like coming up 18 at St. Andrews. I can't even imagine with the thousands of people there on a Sunday for the leaders coming up 18. I, I just can't imagine. I, I cannot imagine. Uh, give me a shout if you want to get on the show today. Uh, it is very easy to do. You hit your hand icon, raise your hand. Uh, and we will do it, all right? So me personally, give me the Open Championship at St. Andrews for a couple of days. Wimbledon doesn't do it for me, especially this year. What else are you going to look forward to? Summer League? I mean, NBA Summer League is, is about as boring as it gets. Yeah, it's nice to see the rookies play, and you can get a little bit of a glimpse, all right? A little bit of a glimpse to what 
the player may or may not be able to do. I mean, here's what you can find out in summer league. If the player that you drafted does not play well in summer league, chances are that player is not playing well in his rookie season or maybe ever in their career. All right. Because if you're worth your weight, you should be noticed in summer league. Okay. And when you see players that are high draft picks that do not play well in summer league, you're like, uh oh. Okay. Because you're not playing against a lot of NBA competition in summer league. So if you're an NBA player and you were just drafted and you don't look good in summer league, that's a red, that's a red flag. That's a red flag. So keep that in mind when you're watching summer league. That's about the only thing that I look for in summer league. How do the rookies look and a possible free agent? But if you're a draft pick, okay, and I'm talking about a lottery pick right now, which is what Sacramento is every year, and you go to Las Vegas and you don't stand out, you're like, oh, no, not again. I mean, we've seen it. We've seen it happen. Happens more often than you want. Okay? It happens more often than you want. All right, let's get to uh, some phone calls. We get the show rolling here on an open forum Wednesday, and we get to uh, Ryan's. Hello, Ryan. How are you today? Doing well, Grant. What's going on, man? I had to pick you up. Nobody was uh, buzzing in. No, it's all good, man. What can we do for you? Hey, uh, since it is open forum, let's talk golf courses. Uh, what are your top three that you have either played or want to play? Uh, I would say Cypress Point is number one. I would say Pebble Beach. These are courses that I've played. I would say Pebble, Be Pebble Beach is two. And... Uh, I would say Kings Barnes in Scotland is number three. Uh, Twelve of us went and we played nine rounds of golf in seven days. We played uh, Turnberry. We played Royal Troon, Muirfield, Carnoustie. We played Old and New. We played Kings Barnes. And I will tell you that everyone in the group, our favorite course was Kings Barnes over in Scotland. That course is absolutely unbelievable. Uh, those would be my three favorite courses. Now, for historic reasons and just the birthplace of golf and the fact that the ambiance at St. Andrews, I mean, I got to put that on my list, but I didn't put it on the top three best courses. It's not really a good golf course. It's like a cow pasture. I mean, it really is. It's the most, you have fairways that intersect one another you have double greens sometimes you're on a green and including the players and the caddies you have 16 people standing on the green you know you have your group of foursome with the four caddies then you have another group that's on the green with their four caddies and it's a very weird look all right you have i think four shared greens at st andrews uh, and again the, the, you you don't there are times when you're on the course where you're like you don't think you're on a golf course. You just think you're out in a field somewhere in the middle of nowhere. No, really, I'm very serious about that. That's crazy. I, I know you made the uh, trip to Augusta. I mean, does it does it live up to the hype? I mean, was yes. it, is it everything that it's supposed to be? 
Yes. Uh, if you ask me now, name me the courses that you have not played that you would want to play. I would put Augusta number one. Being at Augusta uh, is magical. Uh, there's really nothing quite like it. And it is much more uh, beautiful and incredible in person than even on TV. And with high definition TV, obviously, it's a beautiful, beautiful golf course. But to be there and to walk the course and be at Amen Corner, and it is, uh, it's breathtaking. It's absolutely breathtaking. So I would put that number one on my list. Uh, I would also have put St. Andrews on my list. If I uh, Let me tell you about St. Andrews, okay? What's amazing about St. Andrews, the, 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 the town is one of the most beautiful, incredible towns that I've ever been in. But when you walk across the Swoken Bridge on 18, and even, you know, when we were playing, okay, I hit a, uh, my second shot, um, it was, I'll never forget that we were playing a big match with the, we were all tied going into the last day. And I was all uh, square with the guy that I was playing against on 18. And my caddy said, I want you to aim to the first fairway. Because the first fairway and the 18th fairway at St. Andrews are next to each other. They run parallel to one another. But if you hit the ball, if you have a fade and you hit the ball to the right, it can actually go out of bounds onto the road and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So right. I aim, I actually hit my ball onto the first fairway. He goes, great shot. I get up to my ball. I'm 153 yards from the green. Now, the wind had picked up. There wasn't a cloud in the sky. There was crystal blue uh, skies. But uh, the wind was blowing pretty significantly when we got to the back nine. And over there, you don't even tell the caddy what you want. After like two holes, the caddy knows what you swing. He knows your distance. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> my caddy hands me my caddy hands me a five iron. I go, five iron? He goes, yeah, this is playing about 185. And I was 153. And I hit a shot. It was one of my best shots of the week. And there were probably 30 people that were just hanging around the 18th green because it's such a an incredible just – to being around the 18th green at St. Andrews is, there's really nothing like it. I can't even really explain. And as I was walking up to the green, they were all clapping for me. Okay. Like that's the ambiance at St. Andrews. And it's just the, the buildings. You got to think about this. They've been playing golf there for over 700 years. Now think about that for a minute. That bridge on 18 was built over 700 years ago. That golf course, people have been playing over 700 years. Think about that for a minute. Just think about that. 700 years plus they've been playing golf at St. Andrews. So being there, there's really nothing like it. But if you told me what's the one course in the world that I would love to play that I haven't, I would say Augusta, you know, no question. I've had the chance to play the Olympic Club, spectacular golf course, one of my favorites, unbelievably difficult. Uh, you know, that, that would make my top, five, six list, but uh, Cypress Point, Pebble Beach, Kings Barnes, those are my three favorite courses that I've played. St. Andrews for just one 17 and 18 in the history. I mean, that would be 3A or 3B, but those are those are my favorites. That's awesome. Uh, well, at least uh, you didn't end up in the water like John Vanderbilt. <laughs> uh, at Carnoustie, no, but I can see, oh, I'll tell you, when you stand there, we didn't play the championship tees, but when we went to Carnoustie, uh, I went to where the championship tee was, and it's still hard to believe just standing there 
that he took out driver. Do you know that everyone in our group, all 12 of us said that if we went back to Scotland, that's the one course we would not play. None of us liked it. And it wasn't a windy day. The weather conditions were not difficult. Not one of us in our group enjoyed Carnoustie. None of us liked it. Uh, so it's interesting that you bring up that. But John Valdeville in 18, it's probably the biggest breakdown in the history of major golf. No question it, about it. You it's got to be pretty close. There's no doubt. Hey, I know you did on the Edgewood coverage when they had the celebrity tournament. Yeah. How much did you enjoy playing that course and seeing, you know, the different guys and doing the interviews over the years? Well, I the, the course is fun. Um, the course is not one of my favorite courses in Tahoe, except for the par five 16th is a spectacular hole. I, I don't mean it. It's a nice course. Don't get me wrong, but it's, it's a little, it's, I don't know. It's 16, 17 and 18 are the three signature holes on that golf course. And they're just amazing. The rest of the golf course to me is a lot like some of the other golf courses I've played in Tahoe. So it's not really, it's nice, you know, but it's not, uh, it doesn't blow me away. It was my favorite week of the year being up there and interviewing all the celebrities. I mean, it was great. Uh, I had some phenomenal interviews standing on or sitting on the driving range. They set us up and, you know, we would have over a span of four days that we'd probably have uh, 40 to 50 interviews that we would do. And it was, it was phenomenal. And, you know, the vast majority of the participants playing in that were very approachable. They were great to come on. I, you know, I talked to, some people that I would have never talked to before. I'll tell you, one of my one of my best interview, one of my most memorable interviews, believe it or not, was with Jesse Ventura. Uh, mm. When I mean Jesse Ventura, and then I eavesdropped on he and Charles Barkley having a conversation on the driving range, and they were it's one of the funniest conversations I've ever been in just to be able to listen to. But it's a great event. I mean, they do a great job up at Lake Tahoe. Uh, it's a it's a party for the week. It's, you know, you know, the top celebrities in golf are there. It's great. It's, you know, it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. And I, I had some great conversations with, you know, like, for instance, where would I ever interview Lou Holtz before? Uh, right. I had, I mean, political figures, sports figures, entertainers. Uh, you know, I interviewed Dan Quayle up there. I mean, you would think, well, gee, I just interviewed the vice president of the United States, not acting, but, you know, talking to him about that. Um, right. You know, I had just one of my uh, interview that sticks out, uh, Brett Baer from Fox News. Um, he was phenomenal. And I asked him point blank, you know, about uh, doing news on a station like Fox and how you approach it from a journalistic point of view. And he, I think he's a phenomenal journalist. And I think he does a great job. Uh, and, we t- and it, you know, we talked about the, the approach that you take and the just – you know, breaking news and things like that. It was really interesting. So, I mean, I've had a chance to speak to some very well-rounded people. Uh, you know, Larry, the cable guy is a spectacular person to get just incredible. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I did uh, an interview with, I'll tell you one of the funniest stories. Um, I'm on live and uh, all of a sudden my producer starts walking over to me with Emmett Smith and Emmett oh, sits geez. down and puts the headset on. I go, hey, Emmett, my name is Grant Napier. Nice to meet you, just so you know we're on live right now. And he goes, oh, Cowboys fan. My wife was sitting literally <laughs> just behind me to the right, and my wife's got a, a, a necklace. Her name is Star, and I bought her a necklace that looks like a star. It's a diamond necklace, and 
Anyway, he goes, and I go, oh, no, 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 not a Cowboys fan. <laughs> and he goes, oh, yeah, she's a Cowboys fan. I go, no, 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 no. This is all live on air. I go, no, her name is Star. And he goes, oh, he goes, Cowboys fan. I said, no, she's actually from Dallas, believe it or not. And then I go, and that's my wife. And he goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. Excuse me, ma'am. What are you doing with this man here? What are you doing with him? And this is all live on the air. And I go, I go, Emmett, I got to share something with you. Okay. Her name is Star. She's from Dallas. And she's not a Cowboys fan. And I said, we actually had one rule and one rule only before we got married. And that one rule was this. If any of your family members come to visit, there is no cowboy logos, shirts, hats <laughs> that are allowed in our house. They're, they're, it's not allowed. And he started laughing. I go, Emmett, I, I love you. I'm a diehard Giants fan. Been a season ticket holder before I was born. And um, he started laughing. He got a kick out of it. I said, actually, I'll never forget Monday Night Football. You know, we were honoring uh, Lawrence Taylor and Phil Sims, And you came in on a Monday night with a bad shoulder. And I think you scored, you know, four touchdowns and ran for 200 yards. And well, anyway, we had, I'll tell you the one thing about Emmett Smith is a conversation that I will never, ever forget during that interview. I said, Emmett, this is when a lot of the Cowboys players were getting suspended every year before training camp for doing stupid things. Mm -hmm. And I said, Emmett, I got to be honest with you. I said, as a player, I don't know how you can conduct yourself that way, get suspended, and then walk into the locker room knowing full well that you've let every member of your team down. And he goes, no, 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 you have it wrong. He said, I don't know how you can go up to your mom or your dad or your aunt or your uncle or your grandma or your grandpa who got up at five in the morning to sacrifice their life to give you the life that you have, taking you to practice every day, making sure you had this, making sure you had that. I don't know how you can look them in the eye and, and tell them what you did. Because yes, you've let down your team, but you've let down your entire support group. You've let down all the people that sacrificed so much of their life to give you what you have. He goes, that's what I don't understand. And I thought that was a phenomenal, phenomenal response to my question by Emmett Smith. Amen. That, that's incredibly powerful. Uh, it's funny that you say that because my mom is sitting right next to me right now, helping me out with some of my business stuff but um the you know talking about that tournament our family has a cabin that is up uh in strawberry which is you probably know it's about 50 yeah i know where it is away yeah from south yeah. lake and yep. uh we went up a few times for the tournament and just as you said those guys were so approachable uh when i was in high school jerry rice spent five ten minutes talking to us about football and my buddy that I was with, we were both receivers. He was, it, it, he was so approachable. Same thing with Charles Barkley. They're on the putting green. We're just, you know, kind of shooting the, you know what? Yeah. And Charles is like, you know, meet me at the 18th and, you know, we'll talk some more. And literally he did for 10, 15 minutes because we were also basketball players. So um, those guys, and I don't know if it's the environment or whatnot, but some really, really good dudes. And I remember listening to all of your interviews when you guys would post up there um, for that weekend, but just a great event. And that Emmett story is legendary. Well, and Emmett was great. Uh, and just, you know, being around 
when the when they particularly athletes are in a relaxed mood where they're you know they're really having fun there are some that are they're competing and trying to win but just having a relaxed atmosphere for interviews where we're not talking about the game they played last night or we're not talking about the game coming up on Sunday you know we're talking about a lot of other things and right. you know it's really great it's it's really a lot of fun i mean it's uh, it it's a week that I miss, to be honest with you. It was one of my favorite, if not the favorite weeks of the year uh, up at uh, beautiful Lake Tahoe. But, you know, things change, and I was blessed. Uh, I think I did my show up there, gosh, I want to say over 20 years I did my show up there. Yeah, yeah. and let me ask you uh, one last question. Who lost more money in uh, Tahoe, Grant Napier, Charles Barkley, or MJ? Well, it would definitely not be Grant Napier because I, I very <laughs> rarely gamble, all right? Um, I will just tell you that I've witnessed Charles Barkley at the high stakes room at Harris lose an incredible amount of money in a short period of time where I'll never forget. I was standing, I was actually talking to Charles and I was standing next to my wife and he plays two hands at once and he had Double down on one hand, you know, had, all right, got a, uh, I mean, (laughs) it's incredible, (laughs) you know, you know, but basically, basically when it was all said and done, he had his hand split like five different ways. Okay. Oh my God. With an enormous amount of money. And I'll never forget this. I, I looked at my wife and I leaned into her because you know, it's noisy down there. And I said, that would take care of every effing problem that we have right there on that table okay like i said that to her and she's like no shit she goes no shit i go that would take care of every effing problem that we have looking at one hand that he's gambling on the table okay i'll never that's exactly what i said um jordan jordan did not gamble uh in public like the rest of the guys they had a special room for jordan and you could see him but you couldn't see the denominations and he was by himself when he would gamble. Uh, when he was playing there, he, you would not see him uh, in the horseshoe of the high stakes room. They would have a little room behind the horseshoe that they would put him at. So uh, I never saw Michael Jordan gamble. I don't know how much, but Charles was uh, Charles, a piece of work. I love Charles Barkley. Absolutely love the man. Dude, he, he's such a good guy. So funny story when I was, you know, we were at a Kings game at Arco. And um, he was walking through the tunnel and we were sitting right there by the tunnel and we were kind of towards the back end of it. And he, you know, people were trying to get his autograph, walk by. And I was like, Mr. Barkley, can I please have your autograph? And he takes two steps forward, takes two steps back, turns around, does the autograph. And this is like when autographs were cool and, you know, getting a picture with your favorite player. And it was just one of the coolest moments. He didn't have to do that. He is such a cool dude. And, you know, like he's unbelievable. So he's awesome. I mean, that swing, I don't know how you figure that out, but um, I'm not a call pro. Well, he's actually, you know, if you watch him, if you watch him hit on the driving range, you would think that the guy shoots in the 80s, but he can't take it from. Yes. Yeah. I guess the swing's a lot better now. I mean, I'll tell you something else about Charles. I have a friend uh, that's uh, in the sheriff's department, okay? And three years ago, uh, in actually it was, I'll tell you exactly when it was. It was July of 2020. And 
I was not covering the tournament that year. And I don't even know if they, if I don't even know if the media was covering the tournament that year because of the pandemic, but, um, or it, it might've been 2021. But the point is I had a friend come over. He stopped on the way from Tahoe and he showed me a picture with Charles. And he said to me, he goes, you know how I am because I don't like, you know, but I asked the person I was with who knew Charles, if we could get a picture. And he goes, Charles was so nice. And Charles goes, what do you do, man? And he said, Hey, I've, I'm a sheriff's deputy. And Charles said, Hey man, you know, that's great. Really appreciate, you know, what you do. And this was, you know, with all the turmoil and all the, you know, problems going on in the country and, you know, all the, everything else, uh, in terms of, uh, police brutality and, you know, go on and on and on. Okay. Mm -hmm. And he said that Charles could not have been nicer. And then the next night, my friend was up at the cigar lounge on the, what is that, the 16th or 17th floor at Harris. And he walked in there and Charles was in there. And he said, Charles came right up to him and goes, hey man, good to see you again, how are you, right? And I, my, my friend was just blown away. And I said, no, that's Charles. Charles is a down to earth. Charles is as real as it gets. And Charles Barkley has done so many things for so many people that no one ever hears about. Scott Brooks tells me this story. Scott was a rookie in Philadelphia when Charles Barkley was there. And Charles said, come live with me. And mm -hmm. Scott goes, wow. So anyway, they're driving home one night, late, late after a game. And they're on the road driving home. And all of a sudden, Charles makes a U-turn, just like in the middle of the night, just a dark road. And Scott goes, he didn't say anything because he's like, well, you know, whatever. So Charles walks or walk, turns around, pulls in front of a store, walks into a, it was a, a market a grocery store and comes out with like four or five bags of stuff. So they're driving back down on the road. Scott didn't ask him anything. Just assume that whatever Charles pulls the car to the side of the road, gets out of the car. Well, to Scott's Scott was not aware, but Charles had seen it. Uh, uh, homeless people on the side of the road mm. gets out of the vehicle and said, Hey, here and gave him all the bags of groceries and all the food and everything for the homeless people on the side of the road. That's Charles Barkley in a nutshell. Charles has got a heart. Uh, you know, we see Charles sometimes do some outrageous things and say some outrageous things and uh, like he did. And I criticized him, you know, for what he did before game three of, or game one of the NBA finals uh, when he talked about a fan's mom and what he would do to the mom uh, because they were yelling at him. And I said, you can't do that. I thought that was wrong. But in terms of heart, in terms of just being a good person, there really aren't many people that I've been around that are kinder with a bigger heart than Charles Barkley. And he doesn't do it for notoriety. He would rather people not know his good deeds. It's not why he does it. You know, there are those that do it because they want the publicity. Charles is not like that. Charles is just a genuinely down to earth, great, great person and funny as hell funny as hell well grant that's the way that he definitely comes off um or at least from my experience with him that is very brief compared to yours but um you said something that i was going to touch on that was a time before you're posting instagram videos or you're posting twitter videos and yeah. pictures yeah. of doing good deeds and you know now it's a question of is that really the person that wants yep. to do that or is it yep. more for publicity so that that's an amazing story thank you so much for sharing that um
Can well, I, I'm going to share this. I'm going to share this with you. Demarcus Cousins has a big heart, okay? Yep. And Demarcus would do nice things for people, but I don't know if you ever remember this. Every time Demarcus did something good, the Kings would always have cameras around, and I kept on wondering why do the Kings just always do this? And I realized the reason why they did it was. He was such a black eye on the court. He was such a detriment on the court, did so many stupid things. Uh, the, the, the bio language, the yelling at refs, the yelling at coaches, the yelling at teammates, um, that they put it, they, they consciously would show him doing all the good things that he did in the community to balance out how bad he was on the court. And the reason why I bring that up is, I had talked to some other players on the team that also did a lot of things in the community, some whom had foundations, and they felt slighted that they were rarely covered and that when they were doing things in the community and had a foundation, that there was very little coverage in comparison to DeMarcus. What and about Dante the, Green? Dante Green. Well, there are a lot of players I could mention. I, I, yeah, I know that that's crazy. And it makes sense too, because that's supposed to be quote unquote, the franchise player, but you're right. There were a lot of guys on that team that were doing a lot of things. And, you know, like, yeah. how does that reflect well, on the King? I had one player. I had one. I'm not going to even mention his name because he would probably be upset if I did. I had one player on the team, very well-known player, a starter who had a foundation who did a lot of things and we talked about it once and he was bothered by it. He was bothered by the favoritism that the franchise showed cousins in terms of promoting him for being this great guy, quote unquote, great guy off the floor. And I've always said this, especially in basketball, you have to be very careful and the Kings made a huge mistake on this. I don't know if you remember, but when DeMarcus was drafted, Tyreek Evans had just won Rookie of the Year. Correct. And leading up to the first game, they had these gigantic banners on the side of Arco Arena, one of Tyreek Evans and one of DeMarcus Cousins. And the Kings front office was so pissed, Jeff Petrie, Paul Westfall, that they would put a banner and I'm talking about a covered half the side of the building of a player that had never played one second in the NBA to market the team. And again, it's the people that work behind the scenes that have no, they're, they're not in the basketball department, they're in the marketing department. But the vast majority of people that work in the marketing departments of professional sports have no idea about locker room dynamics. They have no idea. They, 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 they think that they're doing it to sell tickets and it's great for the fans. But what they don't realize is they're hurting the team. They're hurting the product inside because it creates dissension within the locker room. And I've seen it time and time and time again. Professional franchises that have no idea what the hell they're doing because the people that make decisions don't understand anything about sports. And that was such a terrible move. It gave DeMarcus a sense of entitlement. He was unmanageable. He was uncoachable. He was an absolute 
disgrace. I mean, his his first year in Sacramento with Paul Westfall was as bad as anything I've ever seen. And part of it was the sense of entitlement that the franchise gave him before he ever stepped foot in the building. And you can't do that. And you don't see the good franchises do that. All right. You don't see the franchises that are run correctly do that. But in Sacramento, they don't do things the right way too often. They do things the wrong way. And I'll never forget that. That infuriated the coaching staff. It infuriated the front office. Uh, it was terrible. I actually did a rant on it one day. Uh, and I went on the radio and I ripped the hell out of them. I actually ripped the decision to put the banner. And I said, and I remember this. I'll never forget this. I was on the air one day saying, take the damn banners off the building. This is embarrassing. I was screaming one day on my radio show saying, take the damn banners off the building. And you know what? They did take them off the building. They did. Grant, that was the banner that was running basically along one entire yes. side of Arco Arena, right? Correct. It covered the entire side of the building. That's correct. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I, I guess the question is, like with DeMarcus, I, I, I get that that's going to build up your ego and they're trying to pump up the fan base. But, you know, I don't think a banner is going to cause the problems that DeMarcus had. And how do those not get screened out during the draft process? Well, Mike Lamb and I did the show back then together. And I remember Mike before the draft saying, I would not take him. He's got too many red flags. And he did have red flags, but they thought they could, you know, his, they thought his talent would uh, rise to the top. And he was talented, but unfortunately, his the negative uh, parts of him uh, not being coachable, not being a guy that a lot of teammates wanted to be with was working against all of his talent. So in retrospect, it was the wrong pick. Um, it was a mistake. And that's just the way it is. You know, teams make mistakes. I can guarantee you this. If Jeff Beach, we could go back and do it all over again. I can 100% guarantee you, 100% would not have drafted DeMarcus Cousins. Absolutely. And I told you what Paul Westfall told me, rest his soul, one of the great mans that I've ever met. You know, yep. when DeMarcus uh, got ejected uh, from the game in uh, Shanghai and Paul Westfall was coaching Brooklyn because Lionel Hollins got real sick. And so Paul was, you know, the lead assistant and took over. And DeMarcus was cursing at him in the middle of the game to shut the F up and sit down. And then when there were free throws and he was on the lane, turned around and told the players on the bench, you know what, don't listen to that effing asshole. He doesn't know what the F he's doing, blah, blah, blah. And DeMarcus got kicked out of that game. Michael Malone benched him for the second game. And then next night in Beijing at the red carpet uh, event that the NBA had for the Nets and the Kings, Paul Westfall came up to me, who I love, and Paul Westfall told me in all of his years in basketball, from being a player with Boston, Phoenix, coaching, assistant head coach, he's never been so disrespected in his life. And Paul was so upset about it because if you could not get along with Paul Westfall, if you didn't like Paul Westfall, something was wrong with you. And um, Paul was unbelievable. Paul, Paul, I'll tell you, when I lost my job, Paul called me the next day and he said to me, hey, Grant, I'm, I want to let you know I'm thinking about you and I'm praying for you every day. And we talked for a couple of minutes, maybe five minutes, seven minutes. Uh, and I said, hey, Paul, it really means the world to me that you called. 
Paul called me back in July and he said, Hey Grant, I just want to tell you, I, I think about you every day. I pray about you every day, uh, pray for you every day. And I'm just checking up on you to see how you're doing. And I swear less than three weeks later, Ryan, I'm on social media and I see the tweet put out by Mike Lupica, who is a dear friend of Paul Westfall's Mike Lupica, the New York daily news media writer, putting out that Paul had a very uh, rare form of brain cancer. Mm-hmm. And I co- this was on a Sunday and I called Paul the next morning and Paul answered the phone. And I will tell you, it was one of the most somber, sad uh, conversations that I've ever had with another person. And I said, Paul, I know you're not on social media, but I want to let you know that you have people all over this country that are praying for you and are thinking about you. And he stopped me and he said, you know what, Grant? No, I want to let you know I'm still praying for you because what happened Mm -hmm. to you is so wrong. All right. That's the last conversation I ever had with Paul. It was somber. It was sad. The conversation lasted less than three minutes. And I said, Paul, I will be thinking about you every single day and praying for you and pulling for you. And it was an emotional call. The call ended. That's the last conversation I ever had with Paul Westfall. Six months later, he was dead. And look at what it's taught you. You you got to pass yep. along. I mean, he yep. sounds like I, I've never spoke to the man in my life. Um, by all accounts, obviously an amazing basketball coach. But the fact that he's – sorry, Grant, kind of choked me up here. Um the fact that he's thinking about you and the fact that I'm sure he had 90, a hundred people calling him that day when that news broke, but he took your call and he's telling you he's praying for yep. you. Yeah. And, and this is a man that just received, this is a man that just received a death sentence. That's what he received. He received with his diagnosis, a death sentence. And that conversation, uh, it, it's, it's, um, I hung up the phone and I, I, I just broke down. I, I was just like, I, I just, I can't even really put in the words what that was like. But in his day of despair, in the worst day of his life, getting that death sentence and for him to stop me and go, no, Grant, I'm praying for you. I'm just like, wow, this is really an unbelievably special, special human being. And, and I will never forget being in Beijing at the reception, you know, and again, Paul and I would have been talking at that reception anyway, but for him to come up to me and tell me about what happened the night before in Shanghai and what DeMarcus said to him in the middle of the game twice. And for, for Paul to tell me that he had never been so disrespected in his entire life, I was just like, Wow. You know, I just, it's just, you know, I'm sorry. I don't forget things like that. And I'm not, I'm never going to cover for a player who acts that way because I don't care if you like somebody or don't like somebody. To me, there is absolutely no excuse for disrespecting somebody the way DeMarcus disrespected Paul Westfall and disrespected other coaches. The way he disrespected George Carl, I don't care what you think of George Carl. Okay. A player cursing out a coach the way DeMarcus did in front of the teammates, in front of everyone, 
and he did this with almost every coach. I'm sorry, I don't just gloss that over and go, oh, that's okay. He's got to behave. No, that's not okay. Okay, there's there's a difference between arguing and there's a difference between being completely disrespectful. There's no excuse for being disrespectful. Just not. And I just that was my biggest problem I had with the guy. You know, uh, and it's a shame because he does have a lot of good. He 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 has he's again. I, I don't know about the medical term bipolar, but he's bipolar. Okay, and by that I mean you know he can go from being unbelievably nice, considerate, blah blah blah. And literally five minutes later, been cur- cursing out at somebody. You know, I just, I've never quite understood that. But that is what it is. But, um, you know, you, you move on. But, hey, I appreciate it, man. Thanks very much. It was pretty uh, fun chatting with you for this long. And yeah. I hope you have a good night. Yeah. Good evening. Hey, Grant, can I say one more thing? Yes. Uh, you know, DeMarcus, it, it, it is what it is. And I think that's what we don't focus on. And we focus on somebody like Paul and we pass it forward. Just like Paul passed it forward to you and that's the way you honor the right people that are doing the right thing so yeah it was great chatting with you thank you for sharing stories and i'll talk to you soon bud yep great call really appreciate it this show is sponsored by better help stress we all have it to a degree big small but i think you can agree we all carry around different stressors most of you know what i've gone through the last four years complete career change moving across the country filing a lawsuit being in the news often dealing with all of that trust me has not been easy and if you keep things bottled up it can really have a negative impact on your life therapy is a safe space you get things off your chest you can figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down it's helpful for learning positive coping skills you can set boundaries it empowers you to be the best version of yourself and you know what folks it's not just for those who have experienced major trauma hey if you're thinking of starting therapy give better help a try it's online it's easy convenient flexible and it's suited to your schedule all you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist switch therapist anytime for no additional charge get it off your chest with better help visit betterhelp.com slash grant today to get 10 percent off your first month that's better help H-E-L-P dot com slash grant. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That was a very interesting conversation. All right, let's move along and uh, we'll get to Jerry and then we'll wrap up the show. Hey, Jerry, how are you today? I'm fine, Grant. How are you, sir? I'm good, buddy. Thanks for calling. 
Grant, I just want to say, you know, that uh, you and that Ryan going back and forth, man, you know, that was one of the best calls I've heard in a long time. And it was just like, wow, you know what? I mean, I got choked up just listening to you and him talk. And uh, Ryan's an awesome dude. Um, I don't know the man, but you know what? He seems like he's an awesome dude. You know, he is. I've gotten to know him. He's actually getting into broadcasting with a podcast. And I was on a show. Uh, that he did, and I'm actually going to uh, rejoin him. He's got a real future in this business because he is a really, really, first of all, he's very knowledgeable, but he's an excellent communicator. So I enjoy having him call and banter back and forth with him. And we have uh, exchanged messages, uh, you know, when we're not on air. And I'm really pulling for him, and I hope he does well because he's just, um, he's really good at what he does. He really is. He, yes, I think he's going to be fine. Yes, he is. Uh, Yes. So I'm, 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 he's listening right now and I guarantee he appreciates you saying that. Well, sir, um, I also have a couple more things, Grant. One, um, yeah. remember back, in, back in the day when the Kings, uh, eighties and even in the early nineties, they used to do like center court interviews after the ball games. Do you know yes, why they, they sure did. doing that? No, they still do it. Uh, they interview uh, the player now on the scores table. Scott Moak, the public address announcer, still interviews. Well, they did when I was working, uh, but I haven't done right. games in two years. But, you know, as of two years ago, uh, when the Kings won, they would uh, do a interview that was shown on the big screen uh, and heard in the arena. And uh, Scott Moak would be uh, interviewing the player right at the scores table after the game. Well, I guess what I'm talking about is when uh, uh, when Garrett Gerald would do the interview, they would have a couple seats right there at center court. That's when they oh. would do the interview. Yeah, you can't do it. With the uh, Yes, they now do it differently with the public address announcer because the broadcast location is not on the floor the way it used to be. Gary Gerald does the uh, broadcast now up near the concourse, and logistically it just would be too difficult. I see. And then there was one more thing, too, because uh, I heard one time when uh, – uh, when the Bulls came in and they beat the Kings, Michael Jordan, re, um, he said that he does not do, uh, 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 I think it was like private, um, like private interviews or center court interviews, something like that, Grant. So I just thought that that had something to do with it. Yeah, I don't know the answer to that. Um, so, okay. hey, I appreciate it, Jerry. You have a good one, bud. Be good. All right, Grant. Thank you, thank Grant. You. Hey, thank okay, you. It's bye -bye. my pleasure. Thank you very much. Good job right there by uh, Jerry. All right, uh, let's get to John. John, how are you today? I'm What's doing going all on, right, John? Grant. Uh, I'm doing all right, Grant. I got in a little bit late. I heard part of Ryan's call, which, yep. again, was a fantastic call. That guy, like you said, he's knowledgeable. I did not know he had a podcast. I was wondering how I could get a hold of that. Where I, where can I find that? I'll put it uh, – I'll tell you what. I'll put it uh, on my uh, Twitter account. I'll put the link to his stuff, and then that way people can start following him on – uh, Twitter and everything else. Okay. I'll put it out on my I'm link not, uh, not, later today. I'm not on Twitter, Grant. Um, is there another platform? That I'll, I'll get it for you. Out? Yeah. You okay. know what? Um, hey, Ryan, you're listening right now. Ryan, come on. R Ryan, hit the, hit the uh, uh, hand icon, Ryan, and I'm going to put you on with John real quickly. And then we'll wrap up the show because I have an event that I get to. Hang on, John. I'm going to get Ryan on with me. And then right on, um, he can, he can let the, but I've, yeah, I was on with him on a Twitter uh, uh, app. Uh, I know you don't listen. I know you're not on Twitter, but right. we'll get him right now. All right. So, Ryan, uh, 
really appreciate it, man. I, I know you really appreciate what Jerry had to say. And John, why don't you let people know, Ryan, how they can hear your information and what you're trying to do with your life? Yeah, no, that meant a lot. Thank you so much. Um, well, and thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Ryan. You're a great caller and you got great content on this show. And when you call Jim and everything, man, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. That means the world. Um, I'm going to be starting to post stuff on No Filter. And Grant, remind me of the other website that you directed me to, um, because I've not posted Uh, anything there yet. I would have to rethink right now, but I'm glad that you're going to be doing stuff on No Filter Network. Uh, I'll tell you what, Ryan, how about we do this, okay? Why don't we, because John listens all the time, I will think about the other, I'm, I'm not sure right now of what the um, other network that I told you about, but we'll get the information out. When you're up and rolling, Ryan, and you're going full steam, I'll promote you. And that way people like John and everyone else that are on this app, they'll, they'll hear your stuff. I'll do that for you. That's not I a problem. I'm happy to do that thank for you. you. Yeah. Thank you, Grant. Yep. I'll have it tomorrow for everybody. So that way it's out there. But thank you, everybody that said that, you know, I want to be clear. Grant's been a huge inspiration for me my entire life for what it's I'm obvious. It's doing, obvious, man. So. And, and you do yeah. a great job and it's obvious he's been a great inspiration and you you do a great job and you are uh, well detailed and you're quite the wordsmith when you need to be it's great to hear man and a local kid like you or a local man like you i don't know how old you are i'm 54 but i figure you're 50. so it's just 38, great to hear, you know. 38? <laughs> okay right yeah. on right on it's all good my friend yeah and man, I so. can't wait. I will get on that podcast, and I also will uh, tell my friends and family, and we're going to blow this thing up, just like we're doing for Grant, and everything's coming together for everybody. No question. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. No problem. Ryan, Ryan. appreciate it, man. All right, All right guys. Grant, Ryan, we'll talk soon, guys. See ya. All right. See you, John. Take it easy. Good way to wrap up the show, uh, and thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you to Ryan. That was a phenomenal call. John, you're awesome. Jerry, you know, again, uh, love it. Uh, we appreciate it. Enjoy the evening. Grant Napier saying so long, everybody. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.